Praise the Lord and good morning. And uh, I pray that you've had a good week. And just as you come in, you have just worshiped God today. He has already been at work doing mighty things. As you can see by our screens, and thanks to our wonderful AV crew back there in the booth, don't they do a fantastic job for us back there? Uh, I'm sorry, some of that was just kind of a polite clap. That was just like, oh, I guess so. No, y'all really, make sure you, that's better. That's right. That's right. That's right. David, nobody's throwing anything at you in a while. You're doing really good, okay? And thanks for Terry getting our screens up. And, and as you see by um, the sermon title on the screen this morning, the, the message is entitled Forbidden Fruit. Now, you can see the scripture reference there, but you would probably guess if I entitled a sermon Forbidden Fruit, I'd probably be not in the book of Galatians, which we will be in just a moment, but probably back there in, way in the book of Genesis, probably Genesis 2 or Genesis 3. I mean, that's what you think of when it comes to forbidden fruit, right? When God said, here's this one for creation, and Adam, you can eat of any tree you want, but hey, this tree right here in the middle, don't eat that one. You don't, don't eat the fruit off of that. And of course, when somebody tells us not to do something, what do we want to do? We want to do it. That's right. And so Adam told Eve, and then the serpent came and tempted Eve, and what did she do? She ate, and then Adam ate, and then God came, and and he said, what did you do? And then it comes to my, one of my favorite lines in the Bible when, when God said, she did it. You know, Adam said, he's, Adam's like, uh-uh. It's, and he even said, Adam went, it's the woman you gave me. She, I'm like, woo, man, watch out, dude. You know, men have not changed over the years, right? We, I mean, all of a sudden, we're just like, not my fault, uh-uh, right there. You know, that's, you know, when you think of the forbidden fruit, that's what we think of, right? God said, don't do this. Now, that's uh, an awesome passage from the Bible. In fact, it's um, one of my favorites because if you didn't know it, and we're not going to really be getting into it this morning, but that is a wonderful uh, display of God's mercy and grace. And just there's so many things that happen there. But that's not the forbidden fruit we're getting into this morning. Now, if you know your Bible, and I hope you do, and maybe as you see this little verse reference, don't, we're not going to put the verses up just yet, but as you see forbidden fruit, and you see we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, uh, uh, some of you this morning are going, uh, I know what that verse is, those verses are, and that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem right. Um, but it is. Let me read it for you, and then some of you are going to go, um, what is he talking about, forbidden fruit? Let's go ahead and put uh, those couple of verses up this morning. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now we're going to leave that verse up, those two verses up there for just a few moments. Now again, some of you might be confused because you say, Greg, I understand now. You know, back there in Genesis, and God said, don't touch that. That's forbidden fruit. But why in the world would you call this the fruit of the Spirit and these wonderful words, love, joy, peace, patience, and all this, why would you call that forbidden fruit? Like it's a bad thing. Well, let me see if I can explain this morning a little bit. I, I want to tell you, if I wanted an easy job today, if I wanted just to 
breeze through this morning, I could do it by just looking at these two verses. We can have a sermon this morning that's just focusing on these great words of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all that. And I could talk to you about how to really strive to be loving and how to seek gentleness and how to work on self-control and patience. And I mean, We could go over all that this morning. We could talk about how just these, are the, these are the things that a Christian should be, the characteristics that should be in the life of a believer, and we, we need to work on them. And I could go through it, and it would be real easy. And we finished the message this morning, and I'd stand out there and greet you as, uh, as you leave, and y'all come by and pat me on the shoulder. Good message, Pastor Greg. Good job. That was nice. And nothing would be different in your life. I don't know if you realize that, but nothing would be different in your life if I preached a message like that today. In fact, actually, nothing being different in life is the best outcome I could actually imagine with that. The reason why is because potentially, if I try to preach that type of message of, hey, let's work on these things, let's learn the value of them and really seek love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and, and all the things past that. And if you really took that to heart... And walked out of here today and said, I'm going to really try to be these things. And I'm going to work on it. And I was like, actually, what I've done to you is a great disservice. In fact, what I've done to you has put you under the, I mean, a yoke of slavery of law and rules. And I've got to do this in order to, for God to be happy with me. So you can, these wonderful verses of the Bible, you can misapply. Now, let me tell you how I know this is true. A dozen years ago or so, when I was still a pretty young new pastor, you know, it, it didn't take too long into my first church uh, serving there that I realized how hard it is to come up with something to say, something different to say every week. And so about a year into being a pastor, I'm, I'm like, I'm running out of messages. I'm like, I don't know what to say anymore. So I'm young, I don't know what to do, and, and so I just start finding every sermon series I could find. Like if I could find a passage I could fill up a month with, man, I was happy. Because even back then, I'm doing Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. We had a pretty traditional schedule. I was preaching a lot, and I'm trying to think, what can I come up with? And so everything I could find, I mean, I spent three, four, five, six weeks on. And so somewhere in that, those early years, I said, you know, well, let's do the fruits of the Spirit. So my little old church up there in Wichita Falls, that we, you know, we had our small congregation gathered, and I think for about four or five, maybe even six weeks, we went through the fruits of the Spirit. You know, each week I took maybe two or three, and we would talk about it. We would talk about what is love, and what is joy. We would talk about how to give God thankful, you know, praise and gratitude for some of the areas we're doing well in, and we talked about how some things we're going to struggle with and how to get better at them. You know, I spent time talking about how to be more patient. I described about being, you know, finding self-control. Now, I'm going to tell you this. My heart was in the right place. I, you know, God's grace meets us even when we don't understand all of what he has for us. So I'm so thankful for that. But I didn't realize till later what a bad job I had done. No, not in the delivery of a message, but in what I was giving to a congregation. Because what happened was, we spent all those weeks, you know, talking over each thing. And you know what change I saw in my church members' lives? None. 
I, saw, I got a bunch of pats on the back saying, nice message this morning. But it, it went beyond that because, you know, I don't, I'm not perfect in this, but friends, um, if I'm going to preach something, I'm going to at least strive to try to apply it myself. I fail in that a whole lot. But if I'm going to kind of go through something, you know, lead a congregation through a series of messages, I want to try to ap- apply the lessons. And so I don't know if any of my congregation did at that time, but I know that, you know, I said, well, I'm really preaching on love and joy, peace and patience. And I, I identified the things that I wasn't very good at. Patience was pretty high on my list. And, you know, gentleness, self-control, joy. I mean, I was kind of finding those things like, man, I know I just don't do good at And so I said, you know what? The Lord says these are the things that I'm supposed to have in my life. I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to look like this. And so I said, I'm going to strive for these things. If I'm going to preach it, I better try to strive to have more patience. And so, you know, I took my principles that I wrote down and I preached on. I said, I'm going to try to apply it. You know how I did? I failed miserably. You know, I may be having a couple good days with that patience thing, but then, man, I would explode on something. That patience would run out. And you know, when I built up this system of if I try to implement these good words in my life, then all will be good. But then when I failed, my little house of cards came tumbling down. Like, man, I can't even be patient. I must not be good. I don't have that gentleness. And I kept striving for it. You know, if I just do these things, then, then I'll know that, you know, God is in my life and, and I'll be a good example, I'll be a better pastor and all, all these things. And I just couldn't do it. And the truth of it is, it, it took longer than it should have, but over years I began to realize that, man, I just misapplied it. I misapplied it as I taught it and I misapplied it in my own life. That, that really, I went about this in such a way that that fruit of the Spirit, those good things... Really, I should have treated it like forbidden fruit because the way I was going after it was producing nothing good in my life. Then I realized, you know, I need to stop and uh, maybe think, is there something else to this? Am I missing part of the message? And of course I was, and I am. And so this morning, I, I want to take this passage that... that that almost all of you have heard, you maybe know, maybe memorized. And I want to tell you, friends, don't pursue it the way I have in my life. Maybe you've done that same thing. If you try to pursue it like you're going to implement those things, like you're just going to learn to be more patient, you're patient, you're going to try to be kinder and all these things, friends, you're going about it the wrong way. What we're doing is we're taking these great words of the Lord, we're taking them out of context. Now, you don't like something you say to be taken out of context, do you? I had that happen to me this week, something I said, taken out of context and misapplied. That doesn't feel good when it happens, right? You think God wants us to take his word out of context? No. He wants, to, he wants you to get the bigger picture of what's going on here. And in fact, when we stop and realize what really this is about, it gives us a picture of how do we find these own things in our life. Because, friends, if you pursue it the wrong way, it's not, it's not going to help. I mean, I, I just know this to be true. I know I still lack in areas of like, I mean, again, probably patience is one of my biggest ones. I'm guessing I'm not the only one here this morning that, that struggles with this. And 
In fact, I know that I'm weakened. I know that sometimes I can be weakened in gentleness or maybe showing love. I know this because I guarantee something's going to happen to me today. I'm going to go home today after church, after doing all things and after lunch and all that. I'm going to go to the house and I'm going to kick off my shoes. And I'm going to head to the couch to go sit down and put my feet up for a little while. But on the way to the couch, something's going to happen. I can promise you it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. As I'm walking on the rug to the couch, I'm going to step on, without my shoes, I'm going to step on, you think I'm going to say a toy or a Lego? No, my boys, are, I'm going to step on a piece of dog food. I guarantee you, my dog, my dog Brutus, many of you met Brutus, he's not a small, he's a big dog, isn't he, right? He, he, he knows what he's doing. He is so smart. He eats in his bowl, but he always carries that one little piece of dry dog food. And he, he I think he does. I mean, in the middle of the night, he places it right there on the rug. And I, it blends right in where I can't see it. And I promise you, I'm going to step on that thing. And in that time, I'm not going to be very gentle. I'm not going to be very loving. I'm not going to be very patient with him. You know, right? It's going to, the frustration's going to come out. It's happened a lot before. And Brutus is going to get talking to, and he's going to get, you know, all this stuff. I know that I struggle. I mean, we know this, right? We know the things that set us off. Our little triggers, our little issues that come up that is going to hurt us in the patience and the kindness and the self-control. And we know that. And friends, the answer is not, the answer is not trying to be, to learn, to strive towards being more gentle or loving. Or, no, friend, that's not it. All right, so how do we solve this problem? Well, first of all, what we need to do this morning is actually back up. We need to read a few verses before this and a couple of verses after it. We need to get more of the context of what God is saying. We need to kind of have an understanding of what's happening in this passage. So we're going to put up on the screen this morning. We're going to go on to the next one. We're backing up a few verses, back to verse 16. And we're going to read through some of the ones before and a little bit after what God has to say for us. Then, then we'll begin to understand what it is to, to have the fruit of the Spirit. It says, beginning in verse 16, But I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Keep going this morning. Look at this. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, robberies, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now keep going, we're going to get back to some of the verses we just read a minute ago. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Listen, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit... Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. 
Now, you still may not have all the answers to what we're talking about this morning, but let's help. Let's go, let's go back up a couple of uh, screens to back to verse 16. There we go. Uh, those first few verses we read. Let's just look at it again because we're going to begin to understand what is really going on in the life of a Christian, what it should look like. It says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit. Now some of you are going to trip up right there because you're going to say, I don't know what that means. Walk by the Spirit, that sounds one of those churchy words. You know, you hear it from those church people. Walk by the Spirit. You're like, okay, I don't know how... I'm walking, is the Spirit here? I don't know. I mean, listen, I get that, friends. I guess sometimes we hear these phrases and comments from God's Word, we're like, it sounds nice. I kind of get the concept, but how do I actually do that? Because this whole thing starts by this reminder, walk by the Spirit. We'll just stop and think about it for a moment. It is that... For the Christian, and this is who it's talking to, for the believer, for the, you know, redeemed in Christ, we are to be led by God, by the Holy Spirit of God who is in the believer. Again, how do we do this? Well, it's actually simpler than you think. In order to walk by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, means we have to remove the things that are not of the Spirit, that are not of God. I mean, let me give you an example. I'll use another kind of church phrase that sometimes you hear, but you don't understand. We're told sometimes, you know, the believer is to look to the cross. And even when somebody's coming for salvation, look to the cross and be saved. Well, okay, I see crosses all around. I'll look at the cross. What does that really mean? No, that means for in my life that sometimes, especially when I struggle especially when the things that are of the flesh begin to pop up, I literally put my mind on things that are above. I literally see my Savior on the cross who died for me. That was my place on that cross. It should have had my name on that cross, but it was Jesus who died for me. I need to think of the price that was paid so that I can live. And the more I do that, the more I spend time thinking and looking at the cross of my Savior. And it was not just a cross where He died, but it became an empty cross where He was buried and rose again. It couldn't contain Him. The more I think about that, you know what? Those fleshly things begin to melt away. They begin to go away because I start going, wait a second, God, you did that for me? I don't want to go with that junk over there. Wow, you love me so much. My mind is put on the right things. Same thing, walking by the Spirit is this reminder that in all things in my life, I want the things of God surrounding me. That means I need to take that thing on the TV that is so not of God, I need to take it off and put something on that is of God or just turn it off. I need to take that music that's put in my ears that is speaking a message of evil and hate and sensuality and all those things. I need to turn it off. I need to cut it off and put the things of God around me. That means I need to put my face in God's Word, not as a rule of like, all right, God, I better read my Bible today because otherwise you won't be happy with me. No, because I want to come and learn more about you, God, and your Word. I want to see you. I want to understand these things. I am putting as many things in my life that are of God. 
See, the more you put God and His things and the Spirit-filled things in your life, what does it do? It crowds out the flesh. See, we're reminded that in Christ, it tells us we are made a new creation. But guess what? We still live in a sinful body, don't we? I love what Paul says in Romans. He's saying, why do I keep doing the things I don't want to do? And the things I do want to do, I don't do them. But he says, that's not me. That is sin in me. He's saying, I know I still have a fleshly body that can fail. But he says, as I seek the Lord. As I walk by the Spirit. Look, look at what it says. As you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It tells you right here, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They're opposed to each other. Listen, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. You want, I know you. You want to be joyful. You want to be loving. You want to be patient and self-controlled and gentle and all those good things. You want them, don't you? You realize how you struggle. You want those things. But it says that flesh, that sinfulness, that old, old person, it, it wages against the call of God in order to keep you from doing the things you want to do. There's the answer right there. The more you pull away from God, the more you put the things that are not of God in your life, the more that old, dead flesh begins to take over. And the more you find yourself not being able to do the things you want to do. That's why you struggle with the gentleness and the patience and the kindness and all that. Because it tells us the more we walk by the Spirit, that we're led by Him, that we're in the Spirit, we're surrounded by the things of God, the less we want to do that. The less we want to do that. In fact, think about that. Uh, uh, go on a couple of screens later. You know, we had the screen that talked about the verses that said, you know, all the bad stuff. We, we know, it says, the things of the flesh are evident. They're obvious, right? We need to go over them anymore. They're there. But the fruit of the Spirit is all these things. That's the thing we want to do, right? But notice it doesn't say, but the fruit of Greg is love, joy, peace, patience. The fruit of John, the fruit of Robert, the fruit of David, or fruit of Priscilla, or Lacey, the fruit of whoever is this, this, this. No, it's not my fruit to begin with. This is, it's not of me. You're right, in my own self, I cannot produce true and lasting love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I can't do it. Now, I can strive for it, and I can, I can say, I'm going to be so self-controlled today, and God, you watch me. I'm going to do it, and you'll be happy with me. And That's not the way God works. He's already paid the price for all those things. And if you think that if working on these things is going to make you right with God, you're in the wrong, friends. Because you will eventually fail. It is the Spirit of God that produces these things in your life. You want the fruits of the Spirit, you can't go after them. You can't go after them yourself, friends. That's why I call it the forbidden fruit. 
God is not calling you here today to go after and seek being a joyful person, a patient person, a kind person. He's not asking that of you. Because you can't do it yourself. But in Christ, that will come out of your life. Those things will be the product of your life that is controlled by God, led by the Spirit. The more you seek God, the more you put aside those things that are not of God, the more you see love come out and joy come out and peace come out and patience and kindness and goodness. That becomes the product of your life. You can't make those things on your own. You just can't do it because they're not yours to begin with. They are God's fruit. So you hear me right, friends. I don't want you to walk away from this message today. That would have been the easy way, right, just to tell you, would you today just be a more loving person? That would have been real simple. Today, try to be more patient with those around you. No. You hear me right. The pastor is not telling you today to go home and try to be more patient or kind or gentle. I'm I'm telling you not to try and do that. What am I telling you to do? It's right here. It says, after all the, you know, the gentleness, self-control, against those things, there is no law. And look, and those who belong to Christ Jesus, here's what we are to do. This is the thing we, we do seek after. Have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So my job is not to go seek to be a joyful person. My job is to go find the things that are not of God and crucify them. Not play around with them, not mess with them, not try to be self-controlled with them, to put them to death, to stomp them out, to nail those sins and those old ways to the cross, to go seek, to go realize the victory has been won over those things. That's what I am to do. If I am putting aside those old things, if I recognize something in my life, something surrounding me, I said that's not of God, then I don't want to say, well, let's, let me see if I can get used to it. Let me, I won't be affected by it. No, crucify it. Get rid of it. Crucify the flesh. Crucify the passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So that's the other thing I do, right? I seek out and I get vigilant. I make war against the flesh. And then I seek to be step. And step with God. That, that simply means that if, I mean, if it's not of God, get rid of it. Get away from it. Crucify it. If it is of God, put it around you. Surround yourself with it. Put your mind on the things above. Put your body in the place that is of God. Doing those things. Now, guess what? Then I don't have to worry. I don't have to strive for and get all upset if I'm a loving person, a joyful person, a a patient, kind, or good, or faithful, or gentle, self-controlled person. I don't have to worry about it. it, It's not not mine anyway. It's just the more I do that, the more I crucify the flesh, the more I live by the Spirit, the more the fruit just begins to be produced and is poured out of my life. And you know what's so awesome about that? When we really begin to treat it that way, then we can't help but say, this is of God, not of me. 
I like what the Apostle Paul said as well. I will boast in my weaknesses, for where I am weak, there he is strong. And so I will tell you today, I'm weak with having patience. I'm weak with being gentle. I struggle with with love. I struggle with joy. I struggle with peace. I am weak in those things. And if I try to solve it myself, I'm going to fail again tomorrow. But when God starts to produce those things, when God gives me peace that I could have no way had in myself, I know it comes from Him. And if somebody would say to me, oh, you're so, you're so loving or you're so kind, or I'm going to go, there's no way you're talking about me because I know I'm not that. That is the Spirit of God in me. That is God's fruit just being displayed in my life. I don't get to take credit for it. Isn't that awesome, friends? Those things, I know you want those things. I know you want to be a good person. I know you want to treat those around you kind. I know you want those around you to love you and and respect you and see good things. I know you want it. That's the truth of God. You can't get it on your own. You can't do it, so stop trying. Stop trying so hard to be a loving person. Yeah, you heard a pastor say that. Stop trying to be kind. Stop trying to be self-controlled. Oh, no, he's preaching heresy today. No, don't seek those things. Seek Christ. Seek being led and living in the Spirit. Seek crucifying the flesh and then watch those things happen. Boy, I'm going to tell you, that's the harder way this morning. That's the harder way. Because it's not pleasant to crucify things. Death stinks. Literally, it stinks. It's hard. It's not pleasant. Putting to death, to crucify those things is not easy. To make sure I'm living by the Spirit is not always easy. But I am not under the law. I'm not about trying to follow a bunch of rules. No. My life is in Christ, led by the Spirit. And then all those things begin to happen. So you have to forgive me this morning if I chose the harder way over the easier way. We could have walked out here this morning, it's all feeling good. And with a commitment, I'm going to try harder today. But nothing would have changed in your life. Or we can walk out today and say, you know what? I'm going to seek the Spirit of God in all that I do. And I'm going to make war on the flesh as hard as that can be sometimes. Because then I know that those good things will begin to happen in my life. It's harder. But man, friend, it is worth it today. All right. So it's on you. Now it's time to close things down here, to leave this place. And it's time for, as my friend says, it's time for the church to leave the building. Right? mean we stop being the church don't mean we stop being children of god just because we walk out those doors it's time to go live those things it's time for me to stop talking and you to start doing 
But you're not to go and do the forbidden fruit. You are to go live by the Spirit and crucify the flesh. Seek that. Watch what happens. Friends, it'll be awesome. Let me pray for you this morning. Would you take a second and just bow, and would you begin to just begin you right now talking to God? I want to pray over you in just a moment. But as I do so, you and God right in this moment. Now, friends, I want to say this. You are right. Don't worry about your neighbor. Don't worry about plans. Don't worry about anything else except you and God. You're allowed to take focus off anything I'm saying. God can speak louder than my words right now, I promise you. You begin talking with God. First of all, know this, friends. It begins in Christ. Christ who died for you on that cross, who took your place, because God is holy and he is perfect, and none of us are. And he can't take that unperfectness of us into his presence. And we deserve death, and we deserve separation from God, but he loved us so much, he gave his one and only son, who died for our sins, who rose again. He did that for you. And if you don't have that in your life, friends, none of anything else I said this morning matters or make any difference. It begins by your relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you don't have that this morning and you know you don't have it, doesn't matter how you've acted, how many times you've been in church, but if you don't have that relationship with Jesus, let's handle that right now. It is simply crying out, calling out to the Savior, I want to be saved. I'm turning from my old ways. I am seeking you. If you don't know how to do that, if you want something in a moment, after I pray for you, I want you to come forward and grab myself or another leader and says, I want Christ today. I want that relationship. We're going to talk with you. We're going to share with you. But friend, if you know you have the relationship, if you've been the person who's been in those waters, who said my life is, my old life is buried and dead with Jesus and my new life is risen in him. If that is you, then I want you to know this morning, are you taking time? Are you seeking not to be a good person, a joyful, a loving person. Are you, I don't want you seeking those things. If you have, just admit that you're wrong in doing it. I had to admit that. I was wrong in seeking those things. Seek being led by the Spirit. Seek crucifying the flesh. That's what I want you to do. I want, make that, I want you to make that commitment to God right now. Say, God, take my focus off trying to be a good person. Help me make war with the sinful flesh. Help me know how to fill my life with the things of the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, saying step and step with the Spirit. Tell them that right now. Seek that, make that commitment. Maybe this morning, this, you have, it's such a heart change for you today that you need to share it with somebody. I love it when somebody shares it because it's not about how many people did we have come to the front or stand up. It's about that I know God is working on your life when you have no problem coming to a front to pray with somebody. And you just say, I'm turning my life around. I'm rededicating my life. I'm committing to serve him again. If that is you, don't be ashamed of what God is doing in your life. Let's rejoice about it together. As I pray for you after that, come forward. If you need to make a public commitment of rededication or just somebody pray over you, come forward. Myself, other leaders, we're going to be right here to pray over you. It's your time. What are you going to do? You're going to seek the fruit that you can't produce? You're going to seek God, who can do these things in your life.